All right. We're live and uh, welcome everybody to another episode of the Brand Herald podcast. Uh, I, people have listened to episodes in the past know that we do this. We love talking to with business leaders about building awesome brands. And I'm excited uh, today to have Jamie Watts, the owner of Hexhead Art, with me. And uh, I just love what they're doing. But first, uh, thanks for being here. Thank you, man. No, we appreciate you having us on. So I know that we talked a little bit about this. I actually picked up some pieces of art that, uh, and we'll get into a little bit more of that here shortly. When I was there, I mentioned to you that I had um, I had actually been introduced to you guys, and I'm going to forget the name. I think it was Easy Construction. I think we had determined when I was there. And I, I feel like that was relatively early on. I moved here in 2013, started my business in 15. So it would have been somewhere in that range. And I think you guys started in 13, right? Yeah, I mean, we started in 2013, and that's probably right around yeah. when we did that particular project. Of course, we've done thousands and thousands Absolutely. of custom yeah. projects since then. I just remember being in there meeting with them, and I saw it on the wall, and it was just just interesting tie into today. I just remember seeing it for the first time. I was like, "That's awesome!" And I think I remember I remember I reached out, and you know, you guys, you had your hands full. I think you've had your hands full from the beginning because it's it's such a cool concept. But um, well, first, before we get into a lot about the business and other things. If you would, just tell me a little bit about, you know, we'll start with you. Tell me about you, where you grew up, went to school, family, those kind of things. Well, I mean, I I started out in this in the northern Kentucky area outside of Cincinnati. So um, that's where we started. My dad got transferred. He was in the cattle business. So we he got transferred to uh, Louisville to be closer to the stockyards. Um, that was out in the 70s. So we moved uh, because of uh, busing and a lot of the the things that were going on at that time, we actually moved out to Oldham County. So I went to Oldham County High School, which is just outside of Louisville, and then um, ended up uh, at the University of Louisville, graduated from there in 92, and um, immediately started my first business. So I've been in business for myself for 30 years and um, don't really know any other way to do it. Uh, So it's kind of my story. I've owned several companies. I've lived in a few different cities, done some different stuff. Uh, over time, I was in the granite business for 20 years, uh, sold that company back in right around 2013 and then started, started Hexed. I didn't realize you were from Oldham County. Mm-hmm. I live out there now. We live in Crestwood. My, my daughters go to, well, my, I have three daughters. One of them goes to South Oldham. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Well, I live right. in Crestwood as well. So. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about the, Neighbor. a little bit about the kind of pre-Hexed. So you, you mentioned you had a lot of companies and we'll, we'll spend most of our time on Hexed, but it's just kind of an interesting, maybe just because it's an interesting transition from being in the granite business to this. And we, and, and, and we can talk a little bit about that, but tell me about the granite business. Like I was reading some of the projects. It sounded like you guys did some pretty major work when you had that company. Yeah. I mean, we started out just as a residential granite company. So, I mean, I was just a baby. I mean, I was 22 years old when we first started that in that business. Um, that was just at the beginning of the of the big building boom in the early 90s. The economy really started to ramp up uh, through the middle 90s. So, you know, uh, there were some old school granite companies out there. We actually came up with some different ways of doing granite work that made turn times a little faster. They used to take granite and stack it up on the edges. If you've ever been in any older houses, they stack it up. It's a very labor intensive process. So we started using single thickness material and um, really kind of turned the industry on its on its head. Uh, so we became very successful very quickly uh, through the 90s and, uh, and did pretty well with that business. 
Um, I ended up selling that company, moving to Charleston, South Carolina for a while, doing real estate for three or four years, and then came back and started doing Granite again on the commercial side. Uh, so that's when I started a company called True Rock. And we did a lot of big commercial projects. So, for example, we did the um, we did the whole French Lick restoration project. So that was, you know, well over a million dollars in just in, in, in marble granite cabinets that we put in there. And then uh, everything from the Yum Center to, I don't know, probably 30 or 40 different hotels that we've done yep. uh, granite work for. So, yeah, I mean, so we did did uh, did quite a bit. And uh but it's a it's a very tough business. It became commoditized over time, and then so it was definitely time to get out and try something new. So I was yeah. happy to do that. So before I start talking about Hexhead, there's just there's this part that I've added in that I kind of like doing, and just a few questions just to dig just a little bit deeper about you. So sure. maybe two or three of these. You go to a coffee shop. What's your drink that you order a coffee shop? Well, unfortunately, my weakness is um, going to be cookies, and they're very easily it's easy to put those in the bag at the coffee shop unfortunately i'm a cappuccino guy at the coffee shop although i never do that and just in real life i just you know got the keurig just regular old regular old joe for me but uh i don't know man i could go for a rice crispy treat so is it just sugar just like sugar like it doesn't look like you struggle with it too much you must i'm hungry for it all the time (laughs) i just don't get to indulge yeah that often but the weekends, I consider the weekends vacation time. So when I get to the weekend, I'm allowed to do whatever. Sure yeah. You have three hours to yourself. What do you do with it? I know you work a lot. So if it's just three hours to just not work on Hexhead, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, I play guitar, so I like to do that, although that's totally hit and miss these days. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a boat owner, uh, fortunately or unfortunately. So if I do get a half a day, that's always nice, even for just a few hours, like you said. I mean, just going out, having dinner on the boat and then bringing it right back. So that's really been a nice little, uh, you know, uh, way to de-stress for me. That's good. And then finally, if you recommended a book to anybody who might listen to this that you're reading or that you just think people have to read, what would that be? Yeah, I mean, I keep three or four books going at all times because I tend to ADD out on it. Um, so I'll I'll have a book for fun and I'll have something going on for work. So uh, right, right now I'm listening to uh, Walter Isaacson's um, Einstein, biography on Einstein. which I I've find. listened to several of his – he does others. I think he did Steve Jobs, and I listened to the, the one he did for Steve Jobs. He did do Steve Jobs. I haven't got that one yet. And I'm kind of a David McAuliffe guy too. I'm kind of an old-school history – like, I love that stuff. I just finished one about three months ago called The Pioneers. It was just all about westward expansion in Ohio. I know probably people listening to this are just like, oh, want to shoot yourself. But um, on the business side, I've got a couple of them going on. I've got one called Obsessed, which is all about branding. So I will listen to a lot on branding. I'm, I'm, I, and uh, it's a big part of my philosophy on, on branding and authenticity, that type of thing. Uh, Anthony McConaughey's Green Lights was pretty good. Did you get that I did one? did not. Yeah, man, that one's pretty tight. You know, it's funny that you say that what you said about history, because I didn't care for history when I was in school when I was younger. But the older I've gotten, um, I I, I love it, too. I mean, I'm a kind of oddly like a sucker for documentaries and stuff, you know, on Netflix or, you know, books like you're describing. Um, When you find out about some people that were integral to the expansion and the the basically the foundation of this country that you've never heard of. That's right. And, and I, I mean, think like everybody's heard of Ben Franklin and John Adams, but there are some other guys that were 
massively important in, in how this country was built that you never even heard. And you just, I think you gain a real appreciation for the way we have it. I mean, you know, I was, that's a silly time, but I was watching that 1883, you know, that was kind of the prequel to Yellowstone yeah. and like, and I was oh. just telling Rebecca, my wife, I said, you know, here they are and they're going, well, we're, we're going from here to Oregon. And, you know, in, in our mind, it's like, there's freeways from here to Oregon. If you get hurt, there's a hospital within probably 30 minutes, maybe 45, wherever you're at. You got food, you got bathrooms, you got everything. And you're like, what's so what's so tough about it? And you watch that and you're like, yeah, that's all very legitimate stuff that we just don't have to worry about anymore. So, Well, yeah, and like their biggest problem was crossing a river, right? right? Yeah. I mean, that's when most of it right, died. That's right. So like, they're all just staring at the river like, holy shit, yeah. like who's going to die today? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's talk about Hexhead. So you start this thing in 2013, and you were telling me, when I stopped by to pick up the artwork, you were telling me a little bit about just kind of you were, and I'll let you tell it, but you were just kind of like, you guys were just making stuff because you ended up with some some space in a building, you had some equipment, and you are just kind of tooling around, and you almost kind of accidentally found your way into this business. Maybe that's not the right way to say it, but I'll let you describe it. Well, I mean, you know, my business partner at the time, I mean, he's, um, he's actually a, a a rocket engineer now he lives down in florida so um so he's not with the company any longer but you know from the engineering side and artistic and putting those things together i mean really like you know uh steampunk vibe type of stuff vintagey edgy but interesting looking products not just something that you know you pull out of a barn but something that looks like it's purposefully um antique and interesting looking. Like I said, steampunk is probably the best way to describe that sort of that vibe. So, yeah, I mean, we started building things built. Um, one of the first things that we built was a big six foot clock. We had some space there. I had sold a piece of property, a big 50,000 square foot piece of property. I sold all the real estate that I had and just went into a simplification process for my life just in general. And we had this little space that we were using, just playing around. So we spent a year or six months, maybe, um, doing things. So, you know, those big wooden spools that you see on the side of the road that are like electrical school. So we looked at it like, what can you build out of that? I don't know, like make a bar table. Like, well, let's make a clock. So we built the steampunk clock with these really twisted. I think I saw a picture of that. Six feet tall. Yeah. So we took it and we painted it with, um, with translucent paints and then we burnt it, set the thing on fire. <laughs> made it rust and made it flash rusted all this stuff to it. So anyway, so then we had an idea. Well, let's, let's make it, let's put it out there for sale. So we put it on, um, we put it on Etsy for sale, $10,000. No problem. We put it on there just kind of as a joke, actually. Well, about two weeks later, my business partner sends me a text. He goes, Hey man, did you see what happened with that clock? What are you talking about? Somebody bought it. <laughs> So I put the credit card in and bought it for $10,000. Like, oh my God, you got to be kidding me. And of course, the first thing I said was, do you think they think the clock works? <laughs> it didn't have any, it didn't have any motor. Oh, okay. It. So it was literally just like, yeah, I'm pretty sure for $10,000, he probably thinks the clock works. <laughs> so then we had to figure out how to make the clock work. So through that process, we realized that there's nobody out there making these clocks. So this is a guy who has a massive four-story, in, he's got a massive four-story mantle for a fireplace lives in a big place up in indiana and he's been looking for a clock to go up there but any company that makes clocks i mean they charge fifty sixty thousand dollars for a clock that big so yeah we had it set up with remote control so we could change the time we did a whole thing built a motor for it and 
So that was kind of the beginning of where we we're like, well, I think maybe there's a market for like cool vintage type of things. And we started making some of the um, licensed artwork and got a couple of small licenses, got Louisville and Kentucky and Alabama. And we started kind of peddling it out there and saw there was a real, a real interest for it. Um, and then it just kind of built from there. I just pulled up a picture of that clock from, yes, on, you know, online. That is so cool. Yeah, we sent him videos and kind of showed him how it was being built. We put it on a truck, sent it up there. So one of the things that you and I talked about was like kind of the challenge of licensing. And so you said you kind of picked up a few initial licenses, but now, I mean, you guys seemingly have everything. Tell me a little bit about what it's been like to go through all that. Well, the licensing is tricky. I mean, even in 2013, people were buying online, but they weren't buying online like they are now. Um, so 2013 seems like a really long time ago in the e-commerce world from a lot of different angles, from just the functionality of things, how comfortable people are purchasing, the expectation, um, how you sell, how do you get eyeballs to your website, the competition for ad space and social media market. So there's just really a, a lot that goes into it. Fortunately, when we started this company in 2013, you know, when it comes to branding, if you're going to start an e-com site, Okay, first of all, if you start a company, typically your brand is defined over time. You iterate your brand. You know, you might start Goodson and you got to start one way and then maybe you, uh, you know, I'm going to invest some money in some branding. And then it turns into be some of the things that even that you see behind you. Or you're like your logos that I've seen that are sort of this old schooly kind of uh, vibe to them. Well, with e-com now, you can't really do that. I mean, you have to have your brand kind of dialed in. I mean, when you launch that thing, it needs to be turning dollars and Iterating your brand over time doesn't make sense, but fortunately for us from 2013 to now, I mean, it's hardly even recognizable the way that we've continued to evolve the brand and the products over time. Um, So let me see if I can get back to your original question about the licensing. So for the licensing, I was able to pick up a couple of licenses, but the reason what I was just telling you is important is because when I went to get the license, they want to know what your plan is. I mean, you have to fill out all this paperwork and, um, the plan for us was to sell online and they called me and said, Hey, by the way, we have, you know, a thousand different licensees out there. You'd be the only one that sells direct to consumer online. And the failure really? rate for licensees is really high. I mean, you know, no, you know, only 30% of licensees even last. I mean, a lot of them come and go, go out of business. She said, I don't, she said, I can't even imagine you guys lasting a year. Uh, so we were the only licensee that was direct to consumer at the time. Everyone else had wholesale. They would make products. They would not make products. They would have chi- products made over in China, over in Asia, and bring them over. It's the only way that you can create that kind of margin. And yeah. to sell it for 50% of the retail price out, and that w- that's the business model. Our business model was to sell direct to consumer. Well, so it did grow that, you know, over time. We did start to grow a following because – our product is unique and we sold it as a hand painted made in America type of product that three dimensional, very unique for a certain type of fan. Somebody that doesn't want to hang a flag up in their garage or their basement. They don't want to, their wife's not going to let them put a decal on the wall. Right. Okay. And so this is something that if you've put 30 or 40 grand in your man cave, this is what you need. I mean, you need something that's a little more upscale. So it just sort of grew from that. And kept going, you know, um, and then we just got better at it. You know, we got better at how we produced it, how we painted it, and how, you know, um, more efficient. 
and uh, and then just group. So yeah, the licensing side is really really difficult. And, you know, now you're talking about all these professional leagues. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to mention. So I, I think I had told you that I I dipped my toes into it just a little bit with a little side business I was involved in. But as I recall from it, and it's it's not like there's just like one place that you go to and say, oh, I want all the NCAA licenses. It's like no, like Ohio State handles its own, and these you got to go here for these school, right? Like you have to work with different groups depending on the school or schools that you want to have. Is that right? Or is there kind of a... Yeah. Yeah. No, it's nuanced. I mean, there are some larger clearinghouse companies like CLC that handle a lot of the colleges. Then there are some smaller ones like Formata. They've recently recently been bought by Fanatics. So they handle some of the big boys, Georgia, Notre Dame, Miami, Kentucky, some of those. And then you've got um, some other smaller ones that handle smaller schools. And then, of course, the leagues are leagues. They handle their own. But they're all run by fanatics. So fanatics is the you know five thousand pound. It really is, and I feel like they they're getting to be to where almost every site that you buy a sports member clothing or something from, even though it doesn't say fanatics, it seems like they own it. And I think they run a lot of the shops that the the, the teams themselves put out there. I mean, they are everywhere. Yeah, Fans Edge, yeah. and then yeah, they run the team shops, and they've really kind of cornered out. I mean, I guess it's legal. You know, I don't know. I mean, my contracts are very one sided in terms of like. I'm allowed to sell through my own company own website, but I can't sell on anybody else's website. Right. You know, a wholesaler can't come to me and put it on their website. I can sell to a brick and mortar, but I can't mm-hmm. do that. And so there be, unless I'm selling it on fanatics. So it is kind of a, it's, it's an interesting situation. I mean, you know, we're in the licensing game, so we just kind of play along and just keep on cranking. Yeah. Uh, but it is, it's, it's a little tricky and nuanced for sure. Mm-hmm. So, and probably I should have given some of this context up front, but you know, it's, this is an interesting episode for me because, and I've done a couple of these. Like I had a guy with a company called Brixelated. They, they, they render things with Legos and I, I had a, a, did an episode with him and, and we've introduced him to some people. Um, but it's such a complicated thing. We can't resell it. So it's, and I think the overarching thing here is like, I, I always say up front that we like talking to people who are kind of connected to the idea of how to build brands. Um, and, most of the time I'm talking to customers in this case, it's like, I just think, and from the very beginning, I just think what you're doing is so cool. I remember, I think I reached out to you in the beginning. I was like, man, you know, how can I get involved? How could I sell? And it was just like, man, I don't need more sales. You know, you didn't need a guy out there sending you more work. You've always had an, an, enough work. Um, so it's, you know, it's just interesting to me that this is something we put out there and we say, look, we don't get anything from you reaching out to Hexhead and getting your, and, and one thing I wrote down that you say a lot and you've said it here is like that it's not, it's artwork. You know, we make artwork and I think that that really aligns really well with well, artwork. Branding. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. you're right. And so what I love about this is just putting it out there because my heart, I guess, in a thing like this and doing an episode like this is like, we don't have a partnership with Hexhead to where we're reselling any of the corporate work. And I mean, we've talked mostly up to this point about the license stuff, but you have a whole side of the business that does like what you did for us, which is fully custom artwork for office settings in most cases. And, but it's like, I want people to know about it because it is an, I think it can be an integral component to them building their brand. Um, Mm -hmm. With being started in 13 and you mentioned, you know, just the, the hockey stick nature of like online buying since then, how did you get customers in the beginning? I mean, obviously it's a hell of a lot more sophisticated today, that whole process of, it's also more crowded, as you mentioned. I mean, it's so crowded. Um, but I mean, in the beginning, you know, she's telling you, we don't think you'll last a year and you get some licenses and you start making, how'd you find your first customers? How'd you do that? 
Yeah, I mean, most of it's just online social media advertising. So at that time, it was Facebook. Um, now, of course, it's TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and everything in between. Um, you know, we do some live stream ads. We do, um, you know, but it's but most of our ad spend takes place with Meta, which is Instagram and Facebook. So we're still on that same platform because that's the most efficient way to find new customers. Now, not everybody is on that, you know, but... Um, but a lot of people are. And so, you know, data collection is a massive part of what we do now, uh, you know, doing giveaways, getting data uh, to where you can send out emails. Data kind of gets a, a bad name, but the reality is the data is when you have some, when you're able to send SMS text out, when you're able to send e-blast out. I mean, those are the number one most converting methods of marketing is when you actually have somebody that opts in and says, yeah, I want to be able to get more information about you guys in the future when you run deals or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's still on the internet. It's banner ads, it's Google, it's all of those things. Are you guys doing a lot of text campaigns and like that kind of stuff? Because I would say, you know, one thing that's interesting to me, not only has there been an explosion in buying online in the last nine years, now I feel like there's, and I'm even, I, I see it with me, just buying on mobile devices has blown up. It used to be like people would, eh, they'll like look at things on a phone or a tablet. Now it's like, I mean, people are buying in line. I'm doing it in line and Facebook in line and Instagram just in line. There's just a comfort level with it now that I just think that didn't exist even three, four, five years ago. Yeah. And I mean, all of those different platforms are leaning into it. They're trying to create their shops, you know, to where in, you know, Look, I mean, they're into making money, you know, so they're going to try to do anything that they can to get more money from me. Yeah, no. <laughs> so I'm the advertiser. So, you know, if they can do that effectively and then they want to charge me an extra 5%, you know, so they're, it's a game. I mean, there's quite, and some of those things don't work out all that great. Uh, and some, some do, and they have to iterate over time too, you know I mean? So yeah. they have to get into a situation where they're making it better, 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 but you know, the main, the, the interesting thing about those particular social media platforms is that they're more concerned with keeping their market share of people that use the product than they care about the advertising. The advertising is a byproduct of people using it. So, for example, now that TikTok is so hot and that TikTok style, which is a very authentic, organic style of posting, it has now leaked over into Facebook. You know, yeah. Facebook used to be all about family and friends. Now Facebook's trying to entertain you. That's why they have reels and they have all those different things going on. It's because TikTok is picking their pockets. So now they're trying to get into that game a little bit more where it's, you know, a little bit more. Well, and to that. your point, Zuckerberg, I think is, I mean, he's basically said that they're, they've, they've adjusted their strategy to where it's like a lot more data driven presentation of content, not just purely, you know, what of my, what are my friends and family posting? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's fine. I yeah. mean, that's the way business goes, right? Sure. I mean, you you change and adapt, but I mean, Facebook has definitely changed. Yeah. And um, and then of course, you know, with what the government's doing, who knows? You know, on data collection, and there, of course, there was the iOS 14 update, which really put the brakes on everything. I mean, it really you know, where people could opt out of the tracking. Now, you know the. The reality is people don't understand that. And it would have been nice probably had they done a little bit better job educating people about the tracking feature on the iOS 14 update. The reality is that when you opted out of that, it doesn't mean you're going to get less ads. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. It just means you're going to get ads for things that you don't care about. All right. Let, lower, lower quality, not lower quantity. Lower. Well, quality. I mean, you're going to be getting a cat through yeah. that and you don't even own a right. cat, you know? So it's one of those things to where, you know, if you, if you're a Louisville Cardinal fan and you go to the games and you, and you're searching for Louisville Cardinal stuff and, and the internet knows that, then you might get served a Louisville Cardinal ad from me. Um, which may be something that you may be interested in. Yeah. Well, now you're probably getting an ad for whatever. You yep. Know? Yeah. So the way that we kind of reconnected, I think is if I'm remembering this right, I had kind of reached out um, mainly this time, probably six, eight months ago and just said, man, I really just, you know, I still just love what you're doing and, and I'd, I'd love to pursue. Cause we, I think what really started is I had invested some money to your point in, in kind of expanding or broadening our brand. So I had created a lot of other brand marks and I had some stuff that I thought would translate really well to what you were doing. And we were looking to try to spruce up the branding and how we're implementing it into our physical space here in our office. And I reached out to you and said that, and I think um, you responded and you were very complimentary of my brand, which was, you know, something obviously really nice to hear. So I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit, you know, I remember, I don't know if you remember, that initial interaction, yeah, but yeah, I reached out and then you were just, like you said, you were complimentary and said, Hey, why don't we try to figure out a way to work together on what you need? And then eventually you can try to help me with some of what I need. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, when it comes to branding, I mean, branding is such an interesting um, topic for me. I just find it to be um, something that I can think about all the time. And the thing that I like about it is because you can't really put your finger mm-hmm. on it. It's true. You know, it when you see it, and you know when it's wrong, but it's difficult to define. And it's hard to explain a lot of times, even yeah. why you like something. I feel like it's hard to even, if you're really loyal to a brand, I feel like sometimes I can't even hardly articulate why. Yeah, right. So it's branding is a feeling, right? I mean, so that's what it comes down to. It's feelings. And um, it's how you feel about a certain company, a certain thing. And, and for us, it's really interesting because we have our brand which is this style of what we do and what we do and how that vibe is pushed to the customer. And we have your team brand. So we have two things going on. Now you've already made the connection with your team brand. So essentially what we do is we're, we're meshing with that to make it, make your team brand look cool. Right. Because the reality is that what does that team brand mean? So if you are an an Oregon ducks fan, for example, and you see the Oregon ducks, you're not even really that conscious about it, but it definitely, you're a fan for a reason. I mean, why are you a fan? And so that's how I like to get down to that rudimentary understanding of things where it's like, well, I grew up in Oregon and we lived by the state and used to go to the games. Um, my dad used to take me to the games. We used to watch them on TV. I went to the University of Oregon and used to tailgate with my friends and met my wife there. So there are just a lot of different things that connect all of those together that gives you that feeling when you see your logo and that on the custom side, it has to do with your business. So it's like, I mean, I've owned this business for 20 years. I, you know, I've, it, it's, there've been tough times and great times and my dad left it to me or family history, but, and that brand coming together with what we do. But one thing that I've figured out with branding is there has to be an authenticity to it. It has to be real or eventually you're going to get found out. And that's where the online thing is very muddy, right? Because you'll see some brands out there online that are very smoke and mirror. You can't seem to figure it out. It's like, "Mm, is this coming from China? Is it going to take eight months to get here? And it's going to be 
miniature size instead of this, or what is that? And so I call this our exterior brand. So when you come to our website, you're going to see some things. You're going to see people. Um, you're going to see me. I own the company. I have made it a part of my regular of my regular duties here. I, I answer the emails myself. I answer the telephone myself. Sounds, sounds crazy. But why would you do that? It sounds so stupid. Because I, my customers expect it. This is a real person, a real company, and do real things. There are a lot of things that I can push off to other people here. But those are the connection to the customer. This is an authentic thing, a real company. But just as important as all that, I don't mean to get all long-winded on you oh, here, Landon, is your interior brand. What is your inside brand? Which means inside the walls of your company, your employees, the facility, all of those things. How, what does that do? Because let me tell you something, that brand is just as important as the other because it will bleed out. If you have high turnover, if you don't pay your people well, you, they have a bad work environment, they have a negative work environment, they don't have the equipment that they need to be able to do their job properly, there are problems, personality conflicts. All of those things on your interior brand are just as important because you need for your people to love coming to work and put that love into each individual product. I can't paint every piece that goes out here. Well, it's almost so, like if you don't have your interior brand where it needs to be, your exterior brand is inauthentic at that point. It's, gonna it, it's either not, yeah, it's it's not bad or it's inauthentic, not real. Well, your quality, your your quality controls off, your customer service is off. Your, you know, you're not the you get people that literally just don't care. And as soon as you get to that, then your brand will suffer. I mean, you can read the reviews on our website, and you know, every tenth review is talking about customer service. It's not even talking about necessarily the product. It's talking about, oh, um, one of my light kit lights went out. And then we send you a new one right away. Or my product got damaged in shipping, but, you know. Yeah. Now they just sent us a new one really quick while we're waiting for the UPS claim to go through. They didn't care. They just sent me the product. I'm so happy. Thank you so much for standing behind your product. Those are the things that matter. No, it's so. So then tell me a little bit just to kind of tie it together, tell me a little bit about what it was that you saw since you were so passionate about branding. What was it about our brand that kind of got you like that, that got you interested? Well, because it's different. In fact, there, there's a branding book out there called different that maybe that you may want to pick up sometime. You know, there's a lot of different ways to do branding and to advertise. I mean, you can, you can try to hide things that make you different or you can lean into them, right? Yeah. So when you take things like, I don't know, the Mini Cooper car, they don't hide the fact that it's a mini car, right? <laughs> they lean right yeah. into it. Like, yeah, it's a mini car. You, know, you can laugh at it if you want, but there are a lot of people that like this little car. There's a lady who so, works in my office that drives one. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. So it's um, it, it's just an, it's interesting. So when I see something that looks different, then I'm hip to that. So most of the companies that are in your space have very, a lot of them, okay, will have more rudimentary websites. It's like it's pens and it's cups and it's, you know, um, your name here, your phone number here type of thing. You're familiar. Or they, back in the old days, they bring you a catalog and like you can flip through. It's like, oh, do you want to buy 
you want to buy turbuses and beer huggies and all right. And then you pick it. And, but with yours, it's a little bit more of a <clears throat> upscale experience. So if you have a company, you're like, well, if you've been burned a few times, which I have, you know, you went out and bought something and it didn't, you know, for, for your own branding, these types of shirts. And then it didn't come in the way that you wanted it to, or the sizes are off or the quality's off. You know, there's, there's just not a lot of help on that. But with the way you guys push it out there in that vibe, it seems a little bit more touchy feely. You can talk to Landon, you can do, and it's, uh, it's just done better, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I, it's funny. I, I, when I hear you say, the thing that kind of resonates with me, and this has actually been something we've been thinking about a lot lately, and I feel like what you just said, even though the aesthetics of our brand is different, and and it's definitely at our at the at our core, I guess that we want to be different um, in our space. But the thing that's been really a theme lately is talking to people about how to print the items. So everything about our industry focuses on products. It's just, as you mentioned. There's a million websites and they will product you to death that our industry does not have a problem with the number of options and the ability to find them. But what our industry doesn't do well, and I do think – and it's funny. Even as I'm saying this, I feel like this almost becomes a bit of something that we need to lean into with our branding, which is the way you always say – and you even said this to me from the very beginning You know, when we first talked and we didn't do anything at the time. But you're just like, yeah, we don't make logos. It's not a sign. It's art. And, Mm -hmm. and so, I mean, at your core is like, it's metal, it's paint, it's, it's whatever. And theoretically somebody else could do it, but there's this design element. There's this essence of how you see it as art that comes through on every piece. I mean, when I stood there and picked up our stuff and you're showing me, and you mentioned this in the things that I read, the shading, the hammered finish, there are these, I always say that like, when you see somebody do something, not usually 80 to 90% of what somebody does could be done by somebody else. It's the last 10 to 20% that separates. It's the, it is, it's always that. And for us, I think that where we're heading is that we're seeing ourselves similarly to where it's like, we're not just about the products. We say on our website, it's about the right products, but I actually think we need to consider shifting that verbiage to that. We're about designing the right products, because it's not, if you, if you came to me and said, I want t-shirts and I want, you know, I had a suite of things that I want to have for my people. The first thing I'm going to start thinking about is like, we could certainly slap the logo on everything and that's fine. And there's a time and a place for logo slapping, but there can also be like with our brand, what I wanted to do was create a bunch of sort of laterally designed supportive brand assets so that the brand, the logo could be expressed in a bunch of different formats and in, um, designs. And then we're able to plug and play with that on different things. And I think that is very much at our core is like, we love what gets us excited is working with a company and not, yeah, Hey, there's products and there's a hundred places you could go get them. And frankly, there's some good companies out there that you could work with. But if you want somebody to come and kind of like nestle in between like those companies and then like full blown agencies and kind of work with you on your swag with a, with an eye toward let's think through how we're going to print it and how we're going to make sure that everything kind of complements each other. And if it's all sitting on a table together, it looks like it's, even though they can all stand on their own, they all make sense together. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. I mean, you have to be able to, to define yourself yeah. away from the competition. So unfortunately your particular business has been commoditized to the point to where you can look at it and go, well, they're all the same. Uh, so let me just find this one. And because it, 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 it'll become less about dollars and cents even at that point, because it's like, well, I don't know, the pens are 
nine cents a piece here and they're 8.5 cents a piece here. I think it depends on my name on it. Like, all right, so let me just figure it out. But what you guys are selling is a little different, right? So it's still some of those same products, but you're going to sell a little bit different experience. Yep. Now, the, the next stage that hopefully you're always looking at is uh, how do I take these individual products that I make and make them just a little bit more unique so that I can define myself even on the product level? So I'm not just selling a great service that nobody else can necessarily sell. And I've got some fancy designs for my company and things mm-hmm. like that. But, but how do I create the thing that we call the secret sauce, like on the products that we sell that everybody else sells too, but ours are going to have something a little bit different. So like if you're having, you know, printed decals, like you said, just slapping decals on stuff. I mean, I don't know, maybe you guys can print those with texture or with some different See what I'm saying to where you're like, no, no, ours are a little different, man. Like, look, and when you're selling that, it's like, dude, this is your brand. Like to the other company, you know, it's like Acme XYZ company. Like this is your brand. Like if we're going to do it, like let's do it right. Yeah. It's going to cost you $50 more, but like, let's do it right. And that's how we do it. We don't do it this way. You can go anywhere and get it that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, yeah, it does. Totally. And I, and I think what we find is, it's and and it may not be as much for us about actually creating a product as much as it is working with clients to make sure they understand all the decorating options. So it's like somebody comes to me and say, I want hats. And there's a you know, there's a hundred companies in town, maybe more that you can that'll that'll do hats, that'll do fine. And all of them are they're, they're gonna snap to a direct embroidered hat. Whereas what we've been trying to shift the conversation to is like, well, there's several ways you could decorate this hat. Let's let's make sure we understand who you're giving it to. Ultimately, what's the point? Are you giving it to employees? Are you giving it to customers? You know, what's the uh, context around it? Is it an event? Is it, you know, what's it for? And then let's look at the artwork and let's decide what's the best way to that that artwork will translate onto that hat. Maybe it makes sense as a PVC uh, application, like a, a, a patch. Maybe it makes sense as a 3D embroidered patch or a flat embroidered patch, or maybe it makes sense as a leather patch. And, and a lot of times people are like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize there was that many options. And we're like, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's you, you could do hats, but you can do them a lot of different ways. And the main thing that we want to do is make sure we understand how they're going to be used so that we can help them design it right. Um, And then what's funny to me is while our space has been commoditized, when people get something in their hands that they like, especially if it's for a brand that resonates with them, they love it. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost bizarre, the connection they have to the thing, just like what you see with the things that you send out. Um, Yeah. Because it's representative of their blood, sweat, tears. Yeah. And I think that's how it has to be sold. I mean, as you're building, you're building the brand on that. You're you're building your brand. The Goodson brand is actually built on how they feel about their company. Right. No, it's, it's not necessarily how they feel about Goodson. It's how you represent their brand, their mark. And then so like that's why like when you go to your website, it's like, okay, yeah, I can see that because like if my mark looks like that mark and how they did that, then I like that. So yeah. it's very similar to what I'm doing. What I'm selling you is a link to a memory. That's exactly what I'm selling you, whether you realize it or not. When you buy a Michigan state thing and you hang it on your wall and every time you look at it, you like it, it feels good or whatever it is, the feeling that you get. But there's reason for that. Not something that you consciously think about all the time, but it links over just like when their employees wearing that hat with that cool patch on it and doing its thing. When they see that, it resonates. 
that's where the that's where the juice yeah. is. Yeah, no, that's that's excellent. Tell me, because um, we're right at about forty minutes, and so we got a few minutes left. How, what role, or I guess, what's your, how big do you want the custom part of your business to be? I mean, is it always going to be that the the licensed retail sort of direct to consumer is the is the lion share, and you'll have, you know, the the division that does stuff like what you did for me, or do you want to see that get to the point where it's fifty fifty, or you know, I'm just I'm just curious, like strategically the part of the business that aligns well with what we do, how, what's that, how's that fit in for you? Well, I mean, we are in business to make money. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's the thing, but it's not the goal. So um, for, as far as like business philosophy goes, now I'll kind of circle back and answer your question. So if your only business philosophy is to make money, then first of all, you're, you're probably going to be unfulfilled and you might get a little bit lost. Your brand will get lost. Your, your focus on exactly what you're doing because you're, little bit too short-sighted on it. I've kind of changed my philosophy in business a little bit and over time, and I've become more employee centric. And so I'm judging the, the strength of my company on the people that work for me and how well they do financially and everything else. Right. So I get a tremendous amount of gratification. If one of my employees is able to go on a vacation or build a pool at their house or do these different things because I understand that all of that bleeds through to a healthy company. Okay. Now, when it comes to the brand itself and custom work, I do have to question all the time on whether or not custom work is actually good income. And I, and that's just being real um, because it does take a lot of time. Okay. But it is a big part of our brand and that it shows that we are craftsmen. It's an important thing for our customers to understand that we're not just banging out widgets here, that we actually have thinking, skilled people. And we promote that on social media and on our website that, look, this is a pretty core part of who we are. It's also the most fun thing that we do, right? But it's also heavy. It's something that we have to deal with. It's um, um, and something that we do a really good job of, by the way. But it's creating the customer expectations. It's talking about the artwork. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, we, we, there's just a lot of time going back and forth on the design. Yeah, yeah so it's it's definitely sure. a lot more time intensive than knocking out, you know. Well, you're here in Louisville. And that's right, yeah. You know, so this week I'm, we'll ship something to Alabama. We'll ship something to Seattle. We'll send another thing up to New York City. So, I, you know, being able to make sure the customers understand and they're happy. We sell online. That means I can't have a lot of people out there running around on the Internet talking about how terrible Hexet is and they – didn't do what they said they were going to do. That's why we don't, you don't see that out there on the internet is because we take care of all those things. And if there is any kind of an issue, we're very direct and take care of things. So the custom thing is always going to be a part of what we do. It's not what pays the bills here. Um, It's literally shrapnel from all of the advertising that we do for sports related things. Then people come to us Hey, do you guys yeah. do custom too? It's like, yeah, well, it's on the yeah, website. Yeah, it's like, it's like a guy out. like me gets a Buckeyes thing from my wife, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I would love to see my logo this same way. And I reach out. Yeah, I wonder what my logo yeah, yeah, looks yeah. like. And, and it almost sounds like to you, it's right. kind of like a part of your marketing and brand building a little bit. Oh, sure. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and it's no smoke and mirrors. It's actually happening, right? But it's a conscious decision of, hey, all of this time and attention that we spend on these things, you're getting that too. You know, mm-hmm. when you buy something rudimentary, you buy a, you know, a, a Florida State FS. It's, it's not that difficult of a product to make geometrically, but it's the same process, right? 
Yeah. And so you understand like, okay, yeah, man, like these guys do know what they're doing. I mean, there's good quality happening here. But I would say that if I'm reading between the lines a little bit, that you're, you're going to be more reactive with that part of the business and continue to obviously pour resources in and look to scale the D, the D2C, the direct-to-consumer part. Well, that's the new – for 2023, what we've done is I've invested a lot of money into a new um, museum-quality high-resolution print system. Just actually, just they're just finishing the installation today. Um, this is a, a high-production uh, museum-quality print system that is phenomenal. It's a 12-head printer. I've also got a new CNC machine coming where we're going to be coming out with some new products. One of those new products is so that we can do some more custom business work that doesn't start at $2,000. I mean, right now. Where you would actually just print material as opposed to cutting all of it, is it? Yeah, well, we have a lot. I mean, we have a lot of customers that would like something really, really cool. um, But their logo, they want it small, you know, and our pricing starts at $2,000 and we're booked out to January. So, for us, we go, well, let's maybe we can create some smaller products that are still in our style and you'll see them when they come out. These, the, the quality is phenomenal. You can still do some 3D to it, but it'll be smaller and it won't be nearly as intense as our more expensive ones, but still very, very cool and very, very within brand. But you're talking about $500 instead of $2,000. You can still get the $2,000 one. But these are some other things that we're going to offer and, right? So, And it sounds like there's probably some artwork and things that you get sent that don't translate to what you do now to where they could be done in this this medium. Super complicated and they want it small. I mean, they're only, there's really, you know, for us, it has to be bigger, you know, in order to do a co- yeah, company logo. That makes like sense. That. So I, we turn down that work literally every day. And I know that a lot of the, you know, or... For example, military badges. I mean, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of military badges, and we can't make them all. But if you come to us and you have some, you have a decent file, it's like, well, we can print that out for you for a couple hundred dollars and still make it textured 3D. This, yeah, on the material. The, uh, the system still that we have will print in texture. So it can do build-up layers, layers that are glossy, layers that are matte, and it's really going to be an interesting product. Uh, I can't wait to come see that. Stay tuned on that. Here in about yeah. three or four months, we start rolling it out. That's awesome. Well, you know, we're, we're over time. I um, I think I can't thank you enough for doing this. Like I said, I know you're really busy. And um, I think the world of, of your company, I love it. I love everything about it. And um, I'm looking forward to getting the opportunity to do some stuff for you and your team here soon. I'm glad to see you wearing our shirt because that means you like it, I think, I hope. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. And 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 we were joking about the fact that be ordering some shorts, this, some shirts. this episode will end up being the reason I add video in 2023 because you know I got I got to make sure that we can do that and and the, most of our episodes are posted with just audio. So, um, Jamie, if you could just tell everybody where they can get more information, where they can find the product. So you go to hexhead.com. So it's h e x h e a d dot com, um, and you can check out everything that we have there: NFL, Major League Baseball, soccer. Now we have the NBA. We just uh, went fully live with the NBA, and we're going to be adding more products to that collection over the next five weeks. And always something new at Hexed. So check us out. Yeah, man. Well, thanks again, and I look forward to uh, to working with you on some cool swag for Hexed soon. All right, Landon. Thanks, All right, buddy. Man. See ya.